This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, I'm Stephanie Harris, and I'll be your host for today's Global Ambitions podcast. In today's episode, we'll be looking at the marketing side of localization and how to avoid mistakes that will cost a company dearly down the line. Today's guest is Erica Haynes of Haynes Consulting. Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. It's always a delight to speak to you. All right. Well, can you please just start us off by telling us briefly about you and your background? I consider myself a sort of outsider of the localization industry because my experience is mostly in globalizing content for marketing deliverables. Mm. Uh, So I've had to version content so it could be available around the world. And that's been very interesting to see that since leaving that position and then moving into localization, learning about how vast the industry is, how it's growing, working on deliverables that have so many different variations and versioning that you're doing your marketing to a country, not necessarily localizing in language. And it's been really interesting to see all these other companies now come up and having the company used to work for was Apple, but now seeing that small to mid-sized companies are also working with content. So I'd like to think that my experiences can help the localization world as they venture more into uh, deliverable land. So that's a little bit about me. What is the biggest challenge you've faced in regards to getting those localization insights integrated into the whole process and discussion early on? I have seen that things almost have had to break. Mm. And then next time you get the conversation earlier. So that I saw that happening. And then for me, that enabled me to get into the conversation earlier and earlier because people would say, we're not localizing. But I would always run around the studio saying, you're always localizing even when you're not localizing. And then, you know, managers of mine would say, well, that's versioning. That's not localization. I I just have this belief in my gut and soul that it is. And people who are language professionals and cultural professionals keep track of a project from beginning to end so that when someone picks it up eight months later, they have all the information they need. Then... That's, fan- that's the ideal way to work. Then things just don't fall through the cracks and people aren't, let's say, building assets from scratch and just sort of, you know, as they say, reinventing the wheel. That causes a lot of money and time and room for mistakes. So I would get brought in the conversation earlier and earlier because I would say, you know what, I could have prevented that mistake from happening. Mm-hmm. And that wound up working better than, than saying, you you need me. And they'd say, well, why? And maybe I didn't sell it right. Actually, something breaking really sold my point. Right. And then she's getting in the room. Oh, first it was eight weeks. Then it was, you know, it was just earlier and earlier and earlier to we're actually kicking off a project. We're going to invite Erica so she can talk about, you know, so she can actually not talk and and absorb and, and carry the information beginning to end. So the mistake is almost just not getting in the room would be the biggest mistake that you've seen people have in that sort of situation. 
Right. Not having the right stakeholders in the room, identifying the key stakeholders having a room, but then the stakeholders themselves need to know what rooms they need to be in. So it's not just the responsibility of the person who's holding the meeting. I think it's the responsibility of, especially the person who is in charge of globalizing or localizing, whoever those key people, you can't have everybody in the room. It's not a town hall, as minimal amount of people as possible, but the right people. That is the uh, improving your case that I'm the right person. <laughs> <laughs> How did you approach the VPs or the directors of the project? So you know you need to be in that room. How did you approach them? Did you have to put together your whole case and then come to them with it? Or how, how did you go about that? Luckily, we would have these things called postmortems, which I think now they're called hindsights, but <laughs> they're called a postmortem. And usually the cross-functional producer will meet with everyone to get their feedback on a project to find out what could we have done better. And I come with my list of things based on the production teams and and anything that I saw that could have been better. So those meetings were the best meetings to come in and you come in with all of these examples. Another great thing to do is to have presentations on what is localization? What does my team do? Onboarding is really important. And when somebody new starts, you onboard them in, you bring them in and you say, this is what I do. This is who I am. This is how I can help you. If you come across this type of a question, I got your answer. And having those reminders as well also help to make sure you're invited. Yeah. Get, getting people to be aware of you real early on. That's really, really all it is. Um, I think there's a big wall, you know, between teams sometimes and, there really isn't. <laughs> so uh, I always talk about breaking silos, but they said, why would a designer care that this asset's going global, that they're, they're working on the US deliverable or the main deliverable, the main project. I use the word deliverable a lot because it's marketing. But find that when you speak to designers and you say, look at what happened to your asset when it went to Japan. And they're like, oh, <laughs> And because designers take pride in their work and then they think about it, they're like, all right, yeah, I'll never create a flat file again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I will hand off my asset when I'm done with it. I will not hold on to it. It is, it's just that awareness where they'll say, I, I didn't even know that what the logo I created wound up in a reseller in Africa, I had no idea that they would need to change the UI, you know, so it's just education. And that's part of the evangelizing and just letting people know, oh, I didn't know. Now I know. And then it's subconscious. They're like, I know someone's going to touch this. People, I think, are shocked at how simple it is. <laughs> okay. Well, what's Example from your experience, one mistake that happened in a situation where you were able to come back and say, no, let's not do this. And you can advise people, watch out for these sort of things, because maybe they could use them in their own case to present to the, the other teams on why they need to be involved. Yeah. Oh, there's so many examples. With globalizing assets, you can use so many examples from this happened in country. And you can look at a particular project, you know, there may not be something that 
went out wrong, but it had to be recreated. Mm-hmm. And that's something you won't see. You can say, you know, we had to completely reprint this because there was sort of a French curse in there. And, you know, and it was caught way down the line. So we've got to put validation in place earlier in your process because we can make sure that this is properly validated in situation. Mm-hmm. So those are things where maybe we did prevent the mistake from going out, but we prevented it too late <laughs> to save money or burn out your team because they had to stay till mid fixing it or what have you. What's one thing that you've seen where you tried it with a team and it worked just really well? And you would like to say to our listeners, you know, try this. For me, the the biggest thing that's worked for me is bringing people together. So I believe truly in breaking through silos and and finding out what other people do. They don't have to give you away their secrets. But for example, I brought in designers from my team. And then within even the same company, I brought in designers from another team and had them speak. And basically we said, this is our asset. This is how we build an asset. And they would say, oh, well, this is how we build an asset. Instead of thinking, I mean, here we were at the same company and they're both thinking we're crazy and they're crazy, but they didn't understand how we use each other's assets. So for their designers to see how we may take like a store environment that's digital and print it super big. And they probably never thought we would do that with their asset where we'd have to change all of these different things, let's say, you know, for example, Apple's uh, store is available in like 155 countries. It might be more now. It was 155 when I was there. So you have to think about these variables. And then maybe, I don't know, let's say it's 20 countries that you're going to have these print deliverables in or whatever, but you're just, you never thought of that. And so it was really wild instead of saying, um, because I would hear conversations in the background from my own team saying, I don't understand why they don't do it our way because our way is awesome or why they didn't know we would wind up one day doing this. And because you're just sort of in your zone. And then when you get the asset, you're like, I got to recreate this. That's not cool. Wouldn't it be nice if they created their assets in Illustrator instead of Photoshop or you know, just silly things like that? having those types of conversations where I bring these people who have sort of these similar roles together, it was just amazing. I would just let them speak in their own language to each other. And it wound up making so many more future projects easier. They were facilitated by the fact that they, like I said, you know, just in the back of their minds, they knew oh, maybe we should rethink if we should use Illustrator versus Photoshop or how we're handing off these images or where we're storing these images or what metadata needs to go with. I mean, just you think about all this stuff and that that's always been the most successful, bringing engineers from my team and someone else's team together and then let them geek out a little. That's what they start doing. (laughs) And then really starting to understand, oh, that's, why this was created this way. And they start to have back for each other and they learn from each other. They know the other one exists. They may call them up and say, I'm stumped. I, I, you know, 
what would you do in this situation? So really connecting those people, I've seen a lot of success through that. I think these are all very useful and good insights for folks who are working in these sort of positions of localization within a big company. Um, So thank you so much for coming on. I guess my final question to you that we ask everyone, is there anyone else you would recommend that I get in touch with to potentially come on the show at a future date? I would really love to see you, you know, talk to people who are in the marketing arena and allow people in localization to see how vast the industry really is. And maybe to really further my argument that localization is language and it's so much more. And Mm -hmm. we really need the language professionals in more conversations regarding content and marketing and original content uh, because their voice is so important because they're the subject matter experts of Mm. the country. So I think introducing more creative people who, you know, for example, people who are based in other countries for major companies that take marketing and then they, they make it appropriate for the local audience, which includes language, what dialect, but what, you know, but what colors are insulting (laughs) to to, uh, replacing photography, all the things. So that's that, that I would love to see. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'll look out for that email from you later then. Um, But yeah, let's go ahead and close out. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. Thank you, Stephanie. I love talking to you. So this is really cool. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.